Hello, 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 New Haven, and welcome back to Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven. We are the sister radio station to the New Haven Independent, and this is a collaboration with the Arts Council of Greater New Haven. I'm so happy to be with you on this beautiful Friday. It's a little bit gray on this Friday, so like a little bit snoozy, um, but we do not have a sleepy or boring episode in store. We have a really exciting episode in store. My guest today is Rafael Feliciano Roman. He is the founder and artistic director of Palante Theater Company, which is based in Waterbury, but we're going to talk about how it's a little bit all over the state right now, which is really, really exciting. Um, and an Afro-Taino artist who also leads the Afro-Caribbean Cultural Center in Waterbury. Rafael, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Hello, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you to everyone listening. We're so excited to be here. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. So we are going to be talking today about a couple of different things, um, perhaps the most immediate of which is the fact that you are directing a show currently called Calling Puerto Rico that is touring the state, which is really, really exciting, especially because for folks who maybe don't know or haven't heard about Palante it's a very new theater. Like, y'all are still a baby, right? This is, we're literally wrapping up our first season with a tour. I did not think that we could do that. Uh, but with this show, Calling Puerto Rico, world premiere debut in February of 2023 at Seven Angels Theater. And because of the buzz, the excitement, the desire from the state of Connecticut community to see the show, we're ending our first season ever with a tour. So we're brand, brand new, season one. <laughs> Which is like also, I feel like I, I don't know. As as a middle class white woman, I don't know if I should ever say the phrase like "Can I get a wepa?" But um, but it's really exciting, right? I'll take it's the really wepa. Good. We love the wepa. <laughs> Can we get a wepa? I love the wepa. I love yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's really exciting, and um, and and I also think, and so next week, if you're listening to this live, this is next week. If you're not listening to it live, disregard what I just said. Um, but starting on Friday, November 3rd, you will be at the Cabaret on Main, which is right over the New Haven-East Haven border on East Haven's Main Street. Um, and it's a really cool space. It's a really, really cool space that Billy DeCrosta and Neil Fuentes um, did some work on expanding about a year ago. And so they're in this space that has white walls that lend themselves really beautifully to projection and a lot happens with projection and so we're going to get into that you should absolutely go to the show which is the fourth through the sixth and then there's another weekend right correct so we have the third and the fourth which is next weekend um sorry East I Haven. it's okay Friday i got you girl Whip, i got you no so it's the third and the fourth which is next friday and saturday and then we have a week off and then our closing night is at the bushnell in hartford um and there's a daytime show for students and then the evening show still some tickets left uh but we're heading towards the sold out uh of our closing of the show um and billy and neil's um uh, coming up you know at the cabaret on main the tickets are going fast like at last count we had like a good 40 and it seats just 100 people both nights awesome. so get your tickets whoever's listening yeah. live those who aren't go online right away uh it's going to be an amazing show so yeah we we the last week we were at the klein memorial theater in bridgeport and we opened up here in waterbury at Manatech museum they have a beautiful hall so it's a four city stop that's it. We're taking a nice break after that to then plan and announce our next season. So we can't wait. So let's talk about this show that's coming up. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to get into like your backstory. I love stepping into the Wayback Machine with artists. I think it's a really fun thing to do. But first, 
I want to talk about this show and um, and not spoil anything. I'm I'm big on audiences being surprised. Surprised, yeah. We want but, that to be surprised too. <laughs> yeah, but but letting folks know just a little bit about what you're walking into. So first of all, I will say like this is a Puerto Rican theater company, so y'all should go. Like that. Yes. That's the pitch, right? Yes. Um, but also, it it is a show that is also about Hurricane Maria, which we felt so deeply here in Connecticut, um, to the point where where folks were even using um, the phrase, and I feel like CT Public at one point adopted this, the island next door, because it, it really can feel, it's like, even if you are not Puerto Rican or don't have Puerto Rican family members, it's sort of like, if as long as you're in one of the state cities, you know someone who was affected. Exactly. And no, no, no much so than, uh, you know, the airline companies even like available, like direct flights from New Haven, like down to the island um, and increasing yeah. at Bradley. So like Puerto Rico's there. And for all of you listeners out there, calling Puerto Rico is this beautiful, almost love tale to Puerto Rico, uh, written, written by Juan Ramirez Jr., a playwright out of New York, who's half Puerto Rican, half other Latino. Um, but he wrote this and started writing this show a couple months after the hurricane hit. How would you capture that? And this iteration of the show, the tour version, is the like 10th version of the show. When I read the script, it was a totally different play almost two years ago when I first, first read the script. And I reached out to Juan, and in a nutshell, just at a high level without giving away any spoilers to anyone. It's the story about a grandfather and a grandson that are separated who have not talked probably in a year plus leading up to a year before uh, Hurricane Maria hit. And they reconnect because the hurricane's about to hit the island. And as many of us remember, Hurricane Irma had hit a couple like days or weeks before, and that just clipped the island uh, and it hit Vieques really hard. And so there was a lot of anxiety building within the diaspora here uh, in New England, in the tri-state area of like, oh my God, here comes another one. Are you ready? So they reconnect. And they just start talking and preparing for the storm to hit. Um, Joel, who is the lead character, who is the one, the grandson in New York City, um, you know, has a landlord. Uh, you know, he's living in this home that his grandfather used to own, but his landlord is this spunky, full of life woman named Melosa, uh, played by Fior Rodriguez in the cast, who's a Dominicana actress from Connecticut, beautiful woman. Um, and she's the comedy, she's the fun, she's the funky, she's the brassy New Yorker. Um, Joel is this introverted, you know, gamer, work from home, agoraphobic, claustrophobic, like, you know, manic depressant character. And those are all true to his character. And his abuelo's like every grandfather in this world, spunky, full of life, sarcastic, um, not caring. You know, Puerto Ricans have been through a lot of storms and hurricanes in their lifetime. Um, and then we have Roland, who is one of his neighbors who is just trying to survive. And we have uh, Deb, a NASA astronaut played by Victoria Gentile, who is a queer astronaut who becomes friends with Howell, contacting through ham radio. It's a beautiful um, play about love, about loss, about light, about hope. And I did a good job of not spoiling anything. So it gave you enough you to know spoil. that the play is full of everything. Yeah, and I will say, I can certifiably say this now, having seen some of a rehearsal, like the actors are fire. So do like, don't miss the show. Whether you see it in East Haven or whether you see it in Hartford, like do do not miss this show. It's um it's it's a really moving show. And I think we are still at a point, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, like theater is getting better, right? But we are still at a point where we often don't see stories of black and brown folks on stage um that are told with like 
joy and empathy and humor and and like yeah this is about hurricane maria which was and is a communal trauma like the island is still recovering from maria and i think it's really important to to let folks know but that doesn't mean there isn't humor and like it's funny it's a funny play yeah. fewer, like fewer brings it <laughs> oh, um, yeah. it's funny it is um a deeply emotional play and i think whether or not you come from an Afro-Caribbean background, um, there there are things in the show that you feel so deeply. Like if if you if you have a relationship with elders in your community, whether it's your grandparents or other people who are very close to you, you will feel this show. Um, yeah, and I think I yeah. think oh so sorry. No, I think another cool thing about the show is, and that's the universality of it. Natural disasters can happen anyway. It's a line that is both in the show, but it is so true, and it sticks with me as I am bringing this production on tour. I've seen people from all backgrounds and races and creeds, and from all over the world, who are like, "Hey, from hurricanes in this part of the world to you know earthquakes in this part of the world to um, you know tsunamis in this part, like." Natural disasters, especially because of climate change, um, have, are increasing. And so unfortunately, as we continue as a society, you can see yourself in this. You can see that, oh, my God, it's going to hit my country of origin. What can we do? And then, yes, our families are inherently funny and funky and, and special and unique. Um, and so there's that juxtaposition of we know this tragedy because we know how Hurricane Maria you know, ended up for the island. And yet there's still a love story. There's still a hope story. There's still uh, beautiful messages of resilience and 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 survival and love that, that can come through all of that. I think that's what makes the show, again, for anyone listening, you do not have to be just Puerto Rican. And yet Palante wants to tell stories. We are not just a uniquely, right? A lot of us are happen to be Puerto Rican, but we want to show, show and, and tell stories that are Latine, Black, Afro-Latine stories that might not necessarily get told. And this is why Calling Puerto Rico called to me so much. When I read the script, again, not in this format, seeing this story that I can relate to so many of my life experiences. I had family on the island. My grandfather's still there. Um, and so not being able to connect to him during the storm or my cousins in Guanica, Puerto Rico, sending them batteries, trying to get stuff out there. It just resonated, and I think that can be true of anyone who comes and sees this story. And again, any dynamic, my grandmother's my heart and my life. I have a fun relationship with her and my grandfather. So you can come see the show and connect with it, and that's the beautiful part about this play written by Rowan. Um, and, I, and I also do want to name, like while we're still talking about the show, Connecticut has a huge Puerto Rican population. And that's like, some, sometimes I'll tell people that, and they're still surprised. And I'm like, did you just move to Connecticut? Like, did you... Did you not know this thing? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, you know, and again, for anyone listeners out there, Dr. Ruth Glasser wrote this really cool book called Aquí Me Quedo. It's about the history of Puerto Rican migration throughout the state of Connecticut. Dr. Glasser is a good friend of mine. But the fact that Connecticut uniquely is situated between two major metropolitan areas, Boston and New York, the and a lot of the Connecticut Ricans have a, a, a like almost like a descendancy of New York Ricans. Like they came through the major hub of New York, and then they're like, "Oh, there's factory and tobacco farming jobs and all this good employment up, you know, ninety five. Let's just go up the road and work in Connecticut." And the cool part about Ruth's book and other stuff, even when Puerto Rico before the United States came in um, and took over it, as you know, like from one colony to the next. There was actually a free trading Puerto Rican in the city of Bridgeport, one of the first recorded ever is like in, in the cool, like, you know, 1900s, which is like dope. Like the fact that Puerto Ricans have been here before Puerto Rico and became a part of the U.S. 
is so cool to me. And so Connecticut is unique to that. And that's why Palante Theater isn't just Palante Theater of Waterbury. We are a theater company for the entire state of Connecticut, and we're so excited. And I have to shout out my good friend Jacob at the Long Wharf Theater. We're good friends. We talk weekly. We have some really cool plans because, remember, also, folks listening, Waterbury is the tip of the greater New Haven County. People forget that. They like to put us in the Northwest Hills, but I'm like, yo, like, we're part of greater New Haven County. Like, come on now, let's go, you know? Um, and so just working with him on some cool stories that we're going to tell next year and collaborate on. I love the fact that Palante can go and work with Billy and Neil and Bregamos Theater as well. And like, there's all these cool, rich theaters that we can bring these stories to. And right, we're here. And these are the stories that our community wants to hear, especially the Puerto Rican diaspora. I just so happen to be the current president of the Waterbury Puerto Rican Day Parade and Festival. And I blame my other co-presidents throughout the state, including Joe Rodriguez down in New Haven. They came and saw the show. They loved it. And they're like, yo, we got to bring it to our neck of the woods. And so that's how this tour formed. If it wasn't for the Puerto Rican parades and festival committees, both at PRU and New Haven and Sammy at CICD and Hartford, we would not have a tour because they connected us with these theater co folks in their communities. And now we're out and about throughout the whole state. Yeah. And shout out to sh shout out to, to both of those folks, but especially since I'm in New Haven, have to say shout out to Joey. He's just like, he is wonderful. And in my experience, every person he meets, he's like, how can we collaborate? How can we collaborate? And I love that. I, he met um, the folks running the Freddie Fixer Parade, which is um, one of the longest running historically black parades in New, ha in, in New England. And his first question was like, how can we collaborate? How can we be a, a partner? Um, and so to see him jump into different spaces and also to bring art into New Haven that is representative of the community is so beautiful. So Joey, if you're listening, thank you for everything you do. You're right, Joey. You're super Wepa, shout out to you and Manu. <laughs> you're super amazing. Um, so I do, I do want to hop in the in the way back machine. I want to remind folks if you're just joining us, this is WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. I am your host, Lucy Gelman for Arts Respond. And today my guest is Rafael Feliciano Roman. We are talking about Palante Theater Company, which is about a year old, is still a baby. And um, and Rafael, you also lead the Afro-Caribbean Cultural Center in Waterbury. So let's talk about how you got into this work. Um, you are yourself an Afro-Taino artist. Correct, um, yeah. And although arts, we can talk about this too, like arts administrators do all the things, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, so to jump to the Wayback Machine, first and foremost, I am proud to have born, been born and raised in the city of Waterbury. I was born at Waterbury Hospital, August 30th, 87, 3.33 a.m. And I went to all the schools out here and I went to middle school, high school, elementary school. I did theater. I was a little theater wonk kid. I was in a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, guys and dolls, like you name it. I did it. I teched, uh, I was a techie, which is the, you know, like nice, like theater term for someone who was an intern at a theater company at Seven Angels Theater. I learned spotlight operating, gripping, how to hang lights, the whole nine years, set painting, design, all that jazz. And then like, you know, a, a lot of young folks of color who happen to also be queer. I left Waterbury right after high school. I was like, nah, that's not the place for me. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel welcomed. I love going to New Haven. The old Gotham City was my haunt. Let me tell you, man, when it was multiple floors. Uh, I love the new Gotham as well. You know, I'm just a little bit older. I'm not really, you know, I, I'm in bed by 10. But anyway. I, I, I will say also, I think we're the around the same age. So watch your tongue. Because I'm not yeah. that old. Okay, well, listen, I, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm still young at heart, okay? So I left right after high school, and, and, I, and I explored the world. I lived in New York City. 
I lived in Puerto Rico. I lived in Massachusetts. I was an organizer, community organizer. I lived in the number one city per capita percentage of Puerto Ricans. The city was 50% Puerto Rican. Um, and I got into that running an arts and cultural organization. I lived in Chicago. And then in the middle of the pandemic, uh, right, like most of us, I had to reevaluate life. My grandmother, who was my heart and my soul, you know, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My mom and dad had split up. And so like any young Puerto Rican or kid who's just close with their superiors and their parents, I moved back home. I came home, surprised my mom. I lied. I said I was going to move to Baltimore, Maryland. I already got the apartment. I live in the same building as my grandmother so I could be close to her. My mom, I moved her in with me. But when I got here, I had learned that my time in Puerto Rico, in Chicago, in New York, in Massachusetts, I'm an artist. So I make traditional what's called vejigante masks or the traditional Puerto Rican Afro-Taino masks. I do bomba, which is a traditional form. And I would do arts. I would audition for plays. I would do shows. And so when I came back to Waterbury and just in Connecticut, the whole scene, I realized there isn't truly a carved out space that celebrates the Black and the Latinidad of our diaspora. And so I said, where can I go? And I hit up all the big institutions, and this is no shade to them. I won't mention them because now we all work together. Um, but none, nobody got back to me. Or they're like, oh, how are you going to do this? How are you going to fund it? And so fun story. My mother will kill me for saying this. Thank God my mother drinks milk cartons like it's her job. And so I started the center by bartering. I would teach at a dance studio. I would teach five dance classes. And then she would let me use her dance studio on Sundays. And from there, the Afro-Caribbean Cultural Center was born. And Palante Theater has always been a part of that. So it's a program of the Cultural Center. Um, but because we realized that there was no space that's bringing together the Black diaspora and the Latinidad diaspora, that's why we're the Afro-Caribbean Culture Center. That's why Palante Theater is literally translated into forward-thinking and moving theater. We want to be a home for both. Um, and now three years later for the Cultural Center, and again, even though we're in our first season last year, our second year of the Culture Center, we took a long year planning. These actors that we're on tour with now, they've been with me for a year now. We literally auditioned them a year ago to be in this show for February, and now we're still doing the show. Um, but I was born and raised here, grew up here, loved it here. And I still work a full-time job. Like it's like any nonprofit or arts administrator, we're only in our third or fourth year. I don't work full-time for the center or for Palante. I don't get paid. I'm a hundred percent volunteer, but I make sure that on the Palante side, my actors and my production team members get paid. I make sure on the cultural center side, our teachers get paid. And then a majority of the funding that we do get right now, and again, shout out to the Connecticut Office of the Arts. CT Humanities for really giving us the, the leg up to really help us solidify. And then we started building collaborations and partnerships, whether it's Seven Angels, Mattituck, The Palace, all these people, at least in the Brass City and throughout the state are like, we want you, we're hungry. Uh, and even for us now, we're looking to expand. We're looking, I won't say where yet, but we're looking to open a satellite or a second location of both the Cultural Center and Palante in another city in Connecticut. And we're proud to say we actually signed a lease this week. So now we're gonna have a little black box theater, 60 seat in downtown Waterbury. And then we wanna see this replicated. I wanna go to New Haven. I wanna go to Hartford, New London, Bridgeport. So then it's almost creating a nice economy of Afro-Latinidad, Afro-Caribbean art and culture. And theater to me is a big part of it. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I hope he listens to your show. If he hears me, please, Lin, come see the show um, in New Haven or Hartford. I love you forever. Um, but as a kid, I mean, it didn't age well. I'm quoted in a local newspaper here saying I wanted to be, please, folks, don't kill me. I was young. It was a different time. I used to say I wanted to be like the Donald Trump of theater, which was terrible quoting now. It did not age well. But I just meant that to say that I wanted to have businesses, a bunch of 
like, you know, there was used to be Trump Towers everywhere. I wanted a theater everywhere in every city that was Black and Latino focused. And and now I can say I want to be the Lin-Manuel Miranda of local theater. So that's a better quote than the one that didn't age well. Um, but I want to bring that. I want to bring these stories. And so for me, I don't get excited anymore about being on the stage, being behind the scenes or bringing this culture and lifting up. And that's why the Cultural Center right now we have an artist of color fund and it's just micro grants of 250 to 500. Any artist, any medium, any form can apply and get up to 250 to 500 bucks to do their artwork as long as they do something in community. And you just have to be an artist of color. So I know that was a way back time machine. I'm here. I love I'm queer, it. I'm fabulous. Afro Latino, Afro Boricua. And yeah, that's my story. I love it. So I'm also wondering if we can talk a little bit about specifically your time in PR. Because last night, um, when I, I, so I was at this rehearsal at um, the Cabaret on Main, which is an amazing space. And one of the things you said is like, that, that is your home. That's like, that's your heart, right? And I think for a lot of folks who maybe have lived in different places, their home and their heart is not specifically where they were born, even though it like, I can just tell that you have incredible love for the brass city. And I just, I also want to like hold that up because I feel like sometimes Waterbury gets a bad rep. Um, <laughs> but, but tell me specifically about your time in Puerto Rico and how it transformed your life and also how you saw yourself as an artist. Yeah, totally. So Puerto Rico is home. It's where I want to end up. I started this again. I don't want to be also one of those, you know, uh, stewards of art and culture and history who are gatekeepers. I don't want to hold on to this secret sauce that we have and be the only one that does it for forever. So even for Palante, we're on the hunt uh, very soon to be looking for an artistic director. I started it, but I want to pass that baton on. The Cultural Center, I started it, but I want to hire eventually an ED, preferably a woman of color, an Afro-Latina woman, to run the Cultural Center. So I can be that old eccentric artist who lives in Puerto Rico. I have my home there. I want to be a snowbird. I want to come to Connecticut in the spring and summer, and I want to go there in the winter and fall. Puerto Rico is my home because it's, I, I just, for those who have gone there and those who are from there, from the diaspora, you just know, especially when you live there, hearing the cookies at night, which is a, something we implement in the show, to just the culture, the food, the people, waking up almost in paradise every day. And that's the motherland. That's the homeland that my great-grandparents migrated from Puerto Rico to New York to then Waterbury from. And they always said how much it's powerful. Like the fact that I could grow from the land, eat from the land, or even the masks that I make. I need coconut shells for some of them. I can literally just go out there, climb a tree and go make the coconut shells. The music, the, the dance, Puerto Rico's in my veins. I love it. I have Taino symbols tattooed on my arm. Um, it's where I want to end up. And it's where I want to almost have like that dual relationship, uh, but in reverse. I think as this third or fourth generation Puerto Rican man, my parents and grandparents lived here, but they would go there for vacations and, and stuff like that and be like, that was home. I want to do the same in reverse. I want to go and live in Puerto Rico and then go come back to Waterbury, Connecticut, because I have that nostalgic connection. And I want my kids and my grandkids to be born and raised in the island. And then we say, hey, I was from Waterbury, like reverse, like, oh, Waterbury's home. And I've given Waterbury a nickname. We call it Laton Rican or Laton. Laton is the Spanish word for brass. So we say we're Brass City Puerto Ricans. So Latin Rican means Brass City Puerto Rican. Um, and I even have license plates with that. It's pretty cool. Um, but anywhere in Connecticut, I think that there's this reconnection to the island. And especially New Haven. Like I said, PRU does it really well. If you've gone to the Puerto Rican Festival, it's one of my favorites in New Haven on the green there. 
just seeing bomba, seeing those things that you'll hear almost every weekend, the holidays. If you've never been, Lucy, you got to go, girl. I'm leaving this year. I'm going to go uh, right after our board retreat in December 15th. I'm going to Puerto Rico to spend the holidays out there. If you've never experienced the holidays, you have to go to holidays in Puerto Rico. There's parrandas, people going door to door, almost like Christmas caroling, but in a fun Caribbean beat way. It's so cool. The food, the laughter. You're on the beach. You're celebrating the New Year's with fireworks going off on the beach, like hearing coquis. Like, it's just a different world. And I love that so much. And I love being uh, almost like that duality. I love the brass city. I love that I was born and raised here, but Puerto Rico is always home for me. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah. And I will say like PRU slash uh, other Puerto Rican organizations in the state and festivals in the state, like do the holidays better. Um, because in here in New Haven, they start with the Paranda at Bregamos Community Theater usually. So shout out to another dear Rafael, Rafael Ramos, who is just a, a an amazing human being and a really wonderful artist and arts leader in, in the city. But they start uh, this year, it's December 9th. I just got the date from Magali Cajigas. Um, and and then they go through uh, Three Kings Day. And so I so much better than just like Christmas Eve and Christmas. Uh, and I'm saying that as a Jewish person too. So, you know, like shout out, shout out to the fact that um, PRU here does it right. And I know that across the state, in the state cities, that's really exciting. Um, so I also want to talk to you about, you know, putting together another season. Putting together another season as far as... Like yeah, so we're already in the throes of next season, believe it or not. We are looking at some really cool shows and partnerships. A big thing about Palante and the Cultural Center, our model, even within the center of Palante, is we're a center without walls. We're a theater without walls. Yeah, we might have a physical lease space, but very much in what Longworth's doing, right? And that's why I love Jacob at Longworth. I love Bregamos. Like, we are already planning some really cool shows. I can kind of hint towards some of them because we've signed some of these agreements already with playwrights. We're doing a show called World Classic that has to do with baseball um, in New York. And so, like, it has some Roberto Clemente influences and cool stuff like that. We're doing a world premiere show um, that also deals with right queer identity. Um, it's called Misfit America. That's going to be coming up next season. Um, we're doing a, a new works um, new works festival. So any playwrights who are listening here uh, on your show can submit their plays for consideration for us to do a workshop with them. We'll have actors and reading, and it's from anywhere throughout the state. And again. Our theater company just highlights and uplifts Black and Latino stories, um, but it doesn't mean that the whole cast has to be Black or Latino, right? As long as their voices are predominant and uplifted and raised as the central point, um, we're working with the James Baldwin Legacy uh, group to do a reading of one of his plays and celebrating his centennial. Um, and we're working with Jacob on some stuff down there that he's doing some Latino shows. And again, I'm not going to spoil his season, but we have some really cool stuff. And we also host, we did it this last year, and we're looking to expand to other cities. We do an Afro-Latino film festival. Last year, we had over 100 filmmakers submit films, and we whittled it down to 34. We had some Connecticut filmmakers like Colton Harris and some others who submitted independent films, beautiful quality, beautiful stuff. And so this year we're looking to do a weekend, but we're going to do three cities. So we're going to do New Haven, we're going to do Waterbury, and we're going to probably either Hartford or Bridgeport, we're working out the venue. But you get to go see independent films in your cities that were submitted by Afro-Latino filmmakers or Afro-Latino storytellers from throughout the diaspora. So it's going to be really cool. And so we're already planning. The season will be announced mid-December. I encourage folks listening, go to our website, palantetheater.org. Word. You're going to see updates and all that stuff. And we're announcing our season two and season uh, pass holders 
get tickets, two tickets for all the events throughout the year. And we cannot wait. We love the fact that we're going to have a physical little hub or a home base, if you will, in Waterbury. But we're going to be going out there to the state again next season. And we are very happy to announce our partnership with the Bushnell Theater. They've already requested all of our scripts for next year. And we hope to really expand that relationship and our relationship with Jacob and the Long Wharf and really working together hand in hand with two major institutional players of theater and just really bringing these cool stories out. Absolutely. That's very cool. So I also want to ask, ask you about this balancing act, which is being an arts administrator, being an artistic director, and a founder of a theater company and working full time, right? Um, that like you just made me tired listening to that, right? Yeah. So so tell me about that balancing act and and what um what drives you forward every yeah. day. Yeah. So another thing again and not getting morbid or anything with the listeners out there, but I have been homeless twice in my life and I'm openly HIV positive and I've experienced near death a couple of times in my life. So the number one thing that I get up every morning is art saved me watching shows like Rent or Hair or, you know, In the Heights or, and even Hamilton. Wait for it. It's one of my quintessential songs. I got to meet Leslie Odom at the Bushnell, cried like a baby. He signed his book, Failing Up. Um, theater saved me and so did the arts. When I was at my lowest and I had nothing, it was the arts and seeing the beauty and everything that keeps me going. And then also No Man is an Island. No Man Stands Alone. Uh, I have an amazing board of directors here at the Cultural Center of mostly Latina, Afro-Latina women and one amazing dope Black brother in arms, Dwayne Pittman, who really sustain and we are all volunteer working board. And on the Palante side, Celeste Caraballo, Angelica Huertas, Alana Ferrazzi, Angelique Kwong, Elias Ocasio, they're the Palante volunteer staff. There's the lighting designer in there, the set designer, the prop designer. They're all theater wonks and nerds and kids from this community from Connecticut who love theater just as much as I do. And so what sustains me is, yes, I might have a vision, but a visionary without the community is just crazy, right? And so I get to do this stuff because they get me excited. When we are sitting there as a team, we're doing our retreat for Palante's team on November 5th, we're going through all the scripts. We're mapping out our season and the dates, and we're working on that. That's what keeps me going. And and what really touches me a lot of the time, when we did Calling Puerto Rico in February, when U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona and his family came and sat front row. And the fact that we have people from Rhode Island, from New York, from all over the state come up and want to see this show, that's what sustains me. Because when we ask people when they're leaving, and we did like some audience interviews, they're like, this is the first time I'm seeing myself on stage. We had kids who are like, oh my God, I want to be Melosa. Or, oh my God, I want to be Anibal. Like, that's what really keeps me going at the end of the day. And juggling, that's hard. But I'm also one, like I stated at the beginning, I'm looking in towards going into year two, maybe three, getting an artistic director for Palante, passing the baton on to someone to take it now to the next level. Someone who I can pay, and that's their full-time job, to continue on that legacy and format. And same thing for the cultural center. And again, I have to give praise to my board of directors. I have to give praise to the staff and volunteers and to these actors who literally, I've let them stay in my home. <laughs> One of them comes up from Western Mass, um, Cameron Hudson, and we love them. And so that's what keeps me going is the people and the future generations. We run a summer arts and theater camp, seeing the young people. We got to take them to Aladdin. We took 40 kids from Waterbury who have never been to a Broadway show, and we took them to Aladdin. This year, we're going to take them to The Wiz, because The Wiz is opening on Broadway. So this summer, we're taking those kids to see themselves reflected on stage, 
that's what keeps me going because I never, I've lost it all too many times to worry about not letting my community not experience this again. And, and that's what I love about Palante. It's what I love about the cultural center. And it's what I love about folks like you who carry the arts forward. And thank you guys for just continuing to share this message of love and hope for the arts. So I also want to ask about theater and specifically, I love theater kids. They're like the best, right? Um, not that I'm biased at all, but, um, but, but specifically when you say, you know, you feel like the art saved your life, what did theater teach you? Because I like, I will go into schools. I, I do a lot of reporting in schools. It's very close to my heart and talk to students, especially like middle and high school students. And they talk about how, theater is teaching them all of these things that they don't specifically learn in the class. I mean, also no shade to teachers. I love teachers. Public school teachers are heroes. You should all make a billion dollars a year, but they're not specifically learning things in their classrooms that they are learning on the stage. Yeah, totally. And, and shout out to my theater teacher. May he rest in peace, Kevin Collins, my high school theater teacher was my life he kind of was like our mr holland's opus and again for any of you young folks listening that was a really cool movie you guys should look that up uh about a, like a theater and, and choral and band teacher who just changed the lives of all these students kevin collins did that for me and being a theater kid growing up and going to kennedy high school being queer being different being other um and avoiding kind of bullying but still experiencing that theater literally saved my life from that point and then i found another set of like people who were on the same level for me. When we did the pajama game, I'll never forget it. We did Dance Steam Heat, which was this cool song from Fosse and all this stuff. And we did that. There's like the Halo Awards out here, which is like the little Tony Awards for high schools. And we went to Seven Angels and I won the best Halo Award for best supporting dancer that year. Um, just being around my peers and learning things like just time management, being resilient. When you're in a theater production at a high school level, they deserve some of the best awards. They're scrappy. Their costumes are like their mom or cousins giving them something out their closet from 10 years ago. Or when the right school systems have tight budgets that go to sports, the theater team has to go to like Home Depot and get that stuff donated. And so you learn how to be resilient even within those spaces. And then carrying that forward with me just into life. Like I know, even for the center, I know how to build. I'm the one that laid the floors here at the center. I'm the one that's going to go paint our, our black box theater. I'm the one that's going to hang our lighting. Like it teaches you so many skills that makes you multifaceted in so many walks of life. And yeah, I work for a full-time cancer research company. I'm the manager of customer success and billing, believe it or not, for a like Fortune 500 company. It's pretty cool. Uh, based out of Chicago, I work fully remote. Even having those skills to deal with patients who have cancer on a day-to-day -day basis, who are getting bills, to help them navigate through that, I do have to put on my theater hat and really make sure that I, despite how upset they are, need to come out with a clear voice, with a nice voice, Theater's truly been in every facet of my life, uh, and it's what I love, and it's made me who I am. And, and it's helped me, public speaking, everything in life, and I still get those little butterflies before I go on stage. And I think of Kevin Collins just saying, don't worry about it, kid, you got it. And then he would just walk away, like, no butterflies, no magic. He's like, don't worry about it, you got it. And he'd walk away, but that helped me just be like, okay, let's go. And so theater truly is in every facet of my life, and it did save me, save me multiple times. Even when I was homeless, I still always had a phone. I would still have on the latest soundtrack, Kiss of the Spider Woman, um, Once on This Island. There's so many cool, Shrek the Musical. All these shows that I would just listen to and transport myself to another world would help me get through it all. And you you probably know a lot of those by heart, right? Like I, um, my, yeah, my partner was joking about this the other day. He was like, um, I, he was thinking of Today for You, Tomorrow for Me, but he like couldn't get the name right. Yes. 
we love straight men. Um, they're great. Um, but uh, but I started like singing the whole thing, uh, and he he was like, "What is this?" Right? But I I bet that I and I'm not gonna put you on the spot. I bet that I, if I was like sing that whole soundtrack from Kiss of the Spider Woman, he'd be it. like, "I got." I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So yeah, I also rent, rent oh, everything, all those musical soundtracks, we can like I can quote them like biblically, like like seeing Wicked for the first time, seeing those those shows. Like I remember like Wicked celebrating 20. Like I remember when Wicked first came out. Like I'm like, yes, I'm aging myself, folks, but I'm like, holy crap. I remember when it was first like on tour and then like it was workshopping, rent, like all these cool things have been really pivotal moments. And those soundtracks are really, really cool. Like the Wiz right now on tour, like the new yeah. cast album is gonna come out. Like I cannot wait. And yeah, we listened to it over and over and those are the best parts. And that's why even this year for our first season, we did a musical theater review in which we celebrated. It was called Viva Broadway Waterbury. We took the best of Black and Latino theater from Broadway and I got to pick all the songs. It was like a kid in the candy store. Like we did everything from The Color Purple to The Wiz to In the Heights to West Side Story to Rent. They sang Seasons of Love bilingual. Talk about that. That was everything for me. Like, yeah, sorry, you get excited. <laughs> no, please don't apologize. Also, that sounds like just totally incredible. So the last question I asked, I, we could talk for four hours, but um, and then probably like riff and sing. And anyway, we're not going to do that. Um, but the last question I asked folks, because this show grew out of the fact that during COVID, artists had to pivot. But artists have like always been pivoting because the world thinks that so like the arts are vital. Um, and yet the world often treats them like they're cute and extra, uh, which is why you're doing this as a as a volunteer, even though you should be making a full time salary, right, leading this theater company. And so one thing that I ask artists is like you are pouring so much into everyone else. How do you take care of yourself? Really good question. I have a faith um, in a, you know, Yoruba tradition called Ifa and my Taino cacique roots, right? So honoring my African and Taino ancestors. I have that faith and that fills my cup up, you know, and I do take time to focus on that and heal. And then at the center, we do this restorative justice peace circle process. It's a four day of just sitting in community and healing and, you know, decolonizing and cleansing and healing. And I do that throughout the year. Um, and just being in those moments and learning the art of no, it's the biggest thing that's changed my life. Um, as both a theater person and just an artist, you're always apt to say, yeah, sure. Great. The art of no and just learning when my body says no to rest has been transformative for me. And I realized that if uh, very RuPaul, right, because she's my queen, too. If I don't love myself, how in the heck am I supposed to love anybody else? So I have to take that time, especially because of my, you know, narrow conditions and all that stuff to really make sure that I'm rested and healed um, and take that time then to give back. I love having my days to just spend with my ancestors, listen to music, like every Latino Puerto Rican blast the salsa music on a rainy day and mop the house. Those little moments to me, and especially with my grandmother's condition and my mom, spending those moments of silence, I build those into my schedule because I have to. And really genuinely connecting with people. And that's why Juan, the playwright for this show is my brother. We talk just about life. And when him and I get together, it's like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I feel like Charlie and I got the golden ticket and we're just there jamming. Um, those moments to me get me the most excited. I wrote a poetry book 
myself. I'm a self-published author called Tribe with No Nation. And taking that time, poetry is my healing moment. And so now in my off time, I'm trying to work with people like Juan and others to co-playwright and make my poetry book into my own play. And because now I have my theater company, I could do that without reservation. And so healing, self-care time is vitally important. And it's what I need. It what's It's what fills me up. Um, and then I get to play too, like, because I've created this space, like even with the film festival, I love movies. I am seeing every single one of these submissions. Not all of them will make it into the festival, but I could be in the comfort of my home in a bed and watch these films from all over the world. It's just the best thing ever. And I encourage it. Artists, I know to anyone listening who's an artist out there, it is so tough, but just building in that time is going to make you 10 times better and 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 really elevate your craft. And if you ever need a space, I offer this to any artist in the state, especially New Haven. Anyone's welcome to just come here to the center, come here, chill out, relax, use this as your breathing space, because sometimes those don't exist throughout the state. We have sofas, we have coffee, we have places where you can just sit in a nook, you could be in the back in private and just breathe. We have books, you can just relax. And I, I always have music going on and mindfulness has been life changing too, so yeah. I want to thank you so much, Rafael Feliciano Roman, for being here with me on Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, hanging out with me, talking about Palante Theater Company and the Afro-Caribbean Cultural Center in Waterbury. Um, if folks want to find you, and they should, because if they're like, dang, I got to get a ticket before they sell out for next Friday and Saturday, November 3rd and 4th, not 4th and 5th. I got my dates wrong. Um, uh, next week at the Cabaret on Main, which is in, it, 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 it's like in East Haven, but it's right over the New Haven. Right East over the bridge. Yeah, it's right over the bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're in, New, sometimes people in New Haven are like, oh, but East Haven's so far away. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's, it's really not. Friend, it's, it's right there, friend. It's right there. It's, it's 10 minutes. I know because I did the drive yesterday. It's 10 minutes mm -hmm. and the 206 will take you most of the way if you don't have a car. So there you go. So there you go. Um, and if you want a carpool, I, I don't know. Give me give me a call. That's um, it. I'll come yeah, pick you up. I got when the car uh, works. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but but it's a really beautiful show. And how can people find you if they want yeah to. so folks listening go to palantetheater.org uh, palantetheater.org you can find us on tiktok instagram facebook you can find us on all of your social media platforms we do some really cool stuff the cast goes live behind the scenes too so you can really find some cool content um but palantetheater.org or taino-nation.org that's the cultural center's website and we have a link to palante in there as well and we encourage everyone listening get your tickets these last two shows have very limited seats um and they're going fast and so we want folks to be able to see it especially that east haven that cabaret on main is such a beautiful little spot and this show unlike all the others is going to be really unique because of the 360 projection you're going to feel and see things that don't exist in any of the other ones we've done so really go get your tickets today um, and reach out and if you need to call we have like a box office here at the cultural center it's 203-437-8058 203-437-8058 monday through friday between nine to five we're here we can help you over the phone as well Thank you so much, Raphael, for just for being here, for joining us, for being present, especially on a busy Friday. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, take take care. Y'all who are listening at home, thank you for listening. Have a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Or if you're listening after the weekend, I hope you're making it through the week. Thank you all so much. Harry Droz, can you play us out, please?
Thanks, Harry. Yeah, and Harry, thank you for being the man behind the magic. Thank you. Welcome back.